Velkommen til Computational Thinking at tænke med maskiner. En podcast fra IT Vest om informatik og brugen af komputationelle metoder i forskning, uddannelse og undervisning. I denne episode skal vi igen uden for Danmark og besøge nogle af de internationale forskere, der på vidt forskellige fasong undersøger og anvender komputationelle metoder i deres arbejde. Vi tager sydover til Lausanne i Schweiz, nærmere bestemt til EPFL. Ecole Polytechnique Federale de Lausanne, en slags parallel til DTU her i Danmark. På IPFL finder vi professor Pierre Dillambour, der blandt meget andet også leder det såkaldte Chile-laboratorium. Og nej, det har ikke noget med tårefremkaldende røde peberfrugter at gøre, men står for Computer-Human Interaction in Learning and Instruction. Det handler altså om, hvordan mennesker og maskine arbejder sammen inden for læring og uddannelse, og et sted, hvor Pierre og hans kolleger udforsker brugen af ny teknologi i skolerne. Eller som Pierre siger, education as computational science. Det betyder, at det komputationelle spiller to roller, dels som analytisk værktøj til at forstå forskellige aspekter af undervisningen, og dels som en metode, der kan bruges til at forbedre undervisningen. Nogle gange måske endda begge dele på samme tid. Som for eksempel et særligt mødebord, der kan bruges til at holde øje med, hvem der taler og hvor meget de taler. When people walk together, they don't look at the table all the time. They put documents, they coffee mugs, they talk to each other. This information is the background, is in the background. But at some point suddenly the team stop and say, hey, Pierre, look at the table. You are completely right. Say, no, I have not spoken that much and so on and so on. Vi håber, at de medvirkende internationale forskere kan tjene til både oplysning og inspiration. Og at podcasten her kan være med til at danne og forstærke netværk mellem undervisere og forskere, der bruger eller ønsker at bruge komputationelle metoder og modeller i hverdagen. Jeg hedder Anders Høgh Nissen. Velkommen til. Vi skal altså denne gang en tur ned til Alpelandet, hvor vi finder Pierre Dillambour på den polytekniske læreranstalt EPFL i Lausanne, helt nede i det vestlige hjørne af Schweiz, 60 km fra Genève. Hello, my name is Pierre Dillambour. I am professor of learning technology. Pierre begyndte sin forskerkarriere med et dybt fokus på avancerede algoritmer, machine learning og andre af de computermetoder, der i de senere år for alvor er kommet i søgelyset. Værktøjerne er i den forgangne tid også blevet ekstremt meget bedre, siger han, og gradvist begyndte Pierre derfor også at interessere sig for, hvor algoritmerne kunne anvendes ude i virkeligheden, så at sige. Og her faldt valget hurtigt på ideen om at skabe en bro mellem datalogi og undervisning. Med tiden førte den dobbelte interesse til dannelsen af Chile-laboratoriet på EPFL i krydsfeltet altså mellem maskine, menneske og læring. We have two, we are in between two communities. The first community is called HCI, Human Computer Interaction. They design very advanced interaction techniques, but sometimes they have no much understanding about how people learn. On the other side, we have people in learning technology that that do have a better approach about how to teach or people learn, but maybe less creative in terms of designing new interaction devices. So my lab bridges this two world by doing kind of very innovative uh, designs, such as, for instance, a table that shows how much people speak in a meeting, because we know that in learning in teams, Speaking too much or speaking not enough is not a very a good indicator of future learning. Arbejdet har ført i mange forskellige retninger. 
Pierre og hans kolleger på Chile er nysgerrige på alt fra møbler og dysleksi til kunstig intelligens og cloud computing og har kastet sig over dusinvis af projekter gennem årene. It changes every few years I'm an unstable person. Um, there's been uh, over the last year there's been a lot on augmented reality uh, and on robotics, uh, robotics for education. But over the previous year we had a period of interactive furniture another period on dual eye tracking so modeling the collaboration between two people by synchronizing two eye trackers we had been working a lot on what we call classroom orchestration or teachers manage a class with uh, 35 kids working on the laptop this is non trivial so that we've new topics that evolve by cycle of 5 10 years but they overlap in some way hvis man skal tage et enkelt eksempel fra den store pose, så har Pierre og hans kolleger for eksempel udviklet et mødebord, der registrerer, hvem der taler og hvor længe. Så man kan danne sig et indtryk af, om der er nogen, der dominerer alle møderne, og andre, som aldrig rigtig kommer til ord. Men det er ikke ideen, at der skal vises præcise data med taletider ned til millisekunder. Bordet er et eksempel på det, som Pierre kalder for modest computing, altså en slags ydmyg maskine, der ikke gør meget væsen af sig, men bare fungerer i baggrunden, og som kan notche brugerne i en særlig retning alt efter behov, for eksempel altså her med at fordele taletiden til møderne mere ligeligt. Why is that modest computing? Well, because we could display the exact speaking time of each other. But no, we give some impression some uh, some imprecise feeling of how much you've been picking and then when people walk together they don't look at the table all the time they put documents their coffee mugs they they talk to each other this information is the background is in the background in what we call peripheral vision and um, but at some point suddenly the steam stop and say hey pierre look at the table you are completely right say no i have not spoken that much and so on and so on So it's uh, it's in the background. It's not precise and it's not smart. Andre eksempler fra Chile Labet kunne for eksempel være Cellulo projektet, som arbejder med små enkle robotdimser, der samtidig kan fungere som et haptisk, altså et berøringsmæssigt interface mellem børn og digitale læringsplatforme. Robotterne kan for eksempel i et scenarie repræsentere planeter, som kører rundt i baner der er tegnet på et bord og som eleverne så kan samle op og lægge et bestemt andet sted på bordet for at få mere at vide om Jorden eller Jupiter eller hvilken planet den lille hvide terningrobot nu skal forestille. I en helt anden kategori, der finder vi det projekt, de kalder for Chili Frog. De kalder det en slags orkestreringsværktøj, som gør det nemmere at tilrettelægge digital undervisning med styring af fagmoduler, gruppechat, overvågning af elevernes arbejde og meget mere. Og det kan altså bruges både i et fysisk klasseværelse og Online. We don't have a clear line to follow. We have um, uh, these ideas of being very serious about what people learn. So it's not that we do gadgets. We always, every, anything we do, we test them in schools and we collect data and we try to prove that it's effective for learning. Quite often we cry because the first uh, prototype is not so good and we have to revise all stuff several times so being serious about learning but being innovative as well um, a clear focus on rich learning not learning to memorize uh, the names of the lakes of Switzerland but learning to solve complex problems 
and um, being data-driven. Everything we do is quite data-driven. So we have this kind of style of um, research that we do, but we don't have a, a line to follow into what we do. We have total freedom. Så man kan fornemme stikker projekterne i mange retninger. Men det har også noget at gøre med, at Pierre og hans kolleger i høj grad lader sig styre deres nysgerrighed og få input mange steder fra. Det kan være nye teknologiske muligheder eller et problem, de er stødt på. Noget, der ikke fungerer ordentligt i undervisningen i dag. Pierre foretrækker faktisk at begynde med netop sådan et problem, også selvom det ikke altid er lige nemt i praksis, siger han. My favorite approach is start from a problem, and that's it. It's not easy. If you ask teachers, what is your problem? They would say, well, uh, we have not enough time, the students are lazy, blah, 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 blah. It takes about six months of dialogue with teachers or with other stakeholders to find a good problem. Lad os grave lidt dybere ned i et af de Chile-projekter, der har taget turen fra problem og indledende idé hele vejen gennem en række forskellige løsninger på problemet til et produkt, der i dag er godt på vej til at blive en selvstændig startup-virksomhed. I sin spæde start hed projektet Co-Rider, siden hed det Tegami, og i dag hedder det nye firma Dynamico, men kernen har hele tiden været at forsøge at hjælpe de elever, der har problemer med at lære og skrive, fortæller Pierre. Handwriting, we forget about it, but during two years in kindergarten, you have made bubbles and waves and progressively some shape, letter shapes and so on and so on. It takes about four years to have a kid writing well. And um, if they have problems writing, they have problems everywhere. Because writing will take all the energy and if they have a, a math exercise, they will be slow and late or the handwriting itself will eat all the cognitive resources. So these kids, some of them are not even seven years old, I see them, and they are already broken by school because they have handwriting difficulties. En af forskerne bag det, som altså i dag hedder Dynamico, er Thibaut Asselborn. Yeah, so my name is Thibaut Asselborn. I'm French and I just got my PhD uh, six months ago. And now I'm doing a startup with uh, the work that I did during my PhD. Som sagt er målet med Dynamico at hjælpe de elever, der lider af dysgrafi, altså problemer med at lære at skrive i hånden, fortæller Thibaut. So Dynamico is an app to first detect unwritten difficulties and second remediate unwritten difficulties. Dysgrafi er næppe lige så kendt som dysleksi, men påvirker op til 10% af eleverne, siger Thibaut. Og i hvert fald i Schweiz kan det tage lang tid at få identificeret de elever, der har problemer med at skrive i hånden, for slet ikke at tale om at hjælpe dem. Dynamico-appen forsøger at takle begge udfordringer. For det første skal det være nemmere og hurtigere at finde de elever, der har problemer, og vurdere, hvor alvorligt det er. Så det første step er analysen af unrettende difficulties, så for det vi bruger en iPad. On iPad has the advantage that we can capture the dynamic of handwriting. With that, on machine learning trained with thousands of kids, we are able to detect handwriting difficulties very fast in 30 seconds instead of 20 minutes in the current test. So we can see where are the weaknesses or the strength of the kid. If she has problem with the pressure, problem with the speed, problem with the shakiness, and so on and so on. Og det er faktisk ikke noget trivielt problem, fortæller Thibaut, at identificere elever med problemer. Og det kræver en hel del algoritmer og machine learning at få appen til at skille mellem god og dårlig håndskrift. Normalt i machine learning, for eksempel, hvis du vil 
uh, distinguish cat from dog, you give example of cats, example of dogs, and you try to do the difference. But here, in uh, on writing, there is many, many, many good on writing. Let's say majority is good on writing, and a small minority is bad on writing. So we need to to change the way we usually use machine learning to use this uh, information into account. And for that, what we try to do is to say, good on writing is the norm, let's say, and we try to see at which point uh, an on writing that comes uh, in our system differs from this good on writing. And that's our metric of, uh, of on writing difficulties. But of course, we need for that a lot of data because there is a lot, a lot, a lot of diversity in on writing. So that's one of the big challenge. We need a lot, a lot of data that comes in our system because we need to take into account the difference of gender, left-handed, right-handed, and different of language as well. So there is a lot of uh, information to be taken into account. Når elevernes skrivekunde, eller mangel på samme, er analyseret, skal Dynamico så tilbyde eleverne øvelser og små spil, som hjælper dem med at lære at skrive i hånden. Uh, with the analysis, we can recommend, we can see where the kid has unwritten difficulty. It's more with the pressure, speed, the tilt. And then we can recommend one particular type of remediation activities. Here, the idea, there is two. First, like uh, when you go in therapy center and you have problem with the pressure, it's almost impossible to train the control of the pressure that is super important on paper. While with an iPad, you can use that, you can use the capabilities of the iPad to, to train the, the, the pressure. So, and the second thing that is quite interesting is that we are trying to gamify all this exercise. Because uh, when you have unwritten difficulties, you, you, you really don't like to, to write. So for the moment, like when you are going to therapy center, what you are doing is you are writing mainly, or when you are at school, you are just writing to, to train your own writing. While here we are trying to do some games where the kid is learning and writing, is writing or is training specific aspect of writing without noticing it as a form of a game. So that's what we really try to do. Interessant nok, så var der faktisk en fysisk robot involveret i en tidligere inkarnation af projektet. Pierre og Thibault og deres kolleger havde identificeret håndskrift som en af de ting, det faktisk er rigtig svært at lære, både for mennesker og maskiner. Og så kan det for mange hjælpe på ens egen kunde at lære fra sig til andre. Så ideen var at lade børn med dysgrafi lære en robot at skrive. Det var den bare ikke særlig god til, så børnene fik både en fornemmelse af at være bedre end maskinen, og samtidig så lærte de noget selv, når de forsøgte at hjælpe robotten. I Dynamicos nuværende inkarnation er robotten ikke længere fysisk, men den er der stadig inde i appen, fortæller Thibaut Asselborn. Uh, yeah, so we didn't really uh, go away from uh, that idea because like we have several remediation activities and one of the activities is exactly this game. Uh, the only difference is that the robot is not a physical robot, but it's uh, an avatar on the tablet. But it works the same. The robot writes very badly and then he asks the kid, can you really show me what is good on writing? And then the kid takes the pen and needs to write the best he can to show the robot how to write. It's very interesting as well because the robot, here the avatar that uh, that writes, he learns from the kid. So the kid writes, then he click a button, and then we have a, an algorithm that combines the learning, uh, the writing of the robot, the writing of the kids, 
and then the robot learned from the input from the kid. And here it's very interesting because if the kid has a shaky on writing, let's say, the robot will learn that. And then he will write with a shaky on writing. So the kid will see his error that are mirrored by the robot. And then he will need or he will try to correct his own mistakes that are mirrored by the robot. So it's super interesting uh, things as well. Som nævnt har Dynamico-projektet taget hele turen gennem Chile ud i virkeligheden. Fra et af de problemer, som Pierre og hans kolleger godt kan lide at tage udgangspunkt i, til en startup med en app, der forhåbentlig kan hjælpe lærere og elever med at takle problemet med dysgrafi. Og det er også et aspekt af mange forskningsprojekter, at de gerne på et eller andet tidspunkt må få en indflydelse af vores hverdag. Der skal selvfølgelig være plads til grundforskning, men kan forskningen også give os ny viden, nytte eller anden værdi i vores liv, så er det jo en fin bonus. Det er en af grundene til, at Pierre Dillancourt og Chilefolkene også har hjulpet med at launche den såkaldte EdTech Collider i Schweiz. En not-for-profit organisation, der skal hjælpe startups, som arbejder med teknologiløsninger inden for undervisning, altså Educational Technology EdTech. Det fortæller her Roman Brygger, der er administrerende direktør i EdTech Collideren. So my name is Roman Brugger, and I'm the managing director of the Swiss EdTech Collider an organization based here in Switzerland. And with the uh, education and edtech, I feel I have a more profound impact on society at large, you know, helping kids and students and us to uh, better learn and to better be prepared for the future. Og hvis man nu sidder derude og tænker, hvorfor hedder det en collider? Så er du blandt andet med inspiration fra den kolossale Large Hadron Collider hos CERN, der ligger i Schweiz, og fordi en collider eller en partikelaccelerator jo fungerer ved at smække en hel masse partikler sammen og se, hvad der kommer ud af det, præcis ligesom Romans Startup Collider også gerne vil gøre det. Ideen er selvfølgelig ikke at smadre de deltagende firmaer til deres bestanddele, men at lade lærere, ingeniører, programmører og forretningsfolk møde sin slags coworking space med masser af faciliteter og hjælp, og så se, hvad der kommer ud af det både i forhold til det enkelte firma, og når det handler om de nye idéer, der næsten uundgåeligt opstår i den slags miljøer. I have a statement that is not from myself, but Jack Ma, you know, the founder of Alibaba, said at the World Economic Forum in 2018, if we do not change the way in how we learn and educate our children and also ourselves, we will have a problem in the near future. And this is true because according to studies, close to 800 million jobs will be either disappearing or fundamentally change in the next 10 years. So there also needs to be changes in education and learning. That's where I feel that education technologies will have a, a profound you know, impact uh, on those future uh, skills uh, needed. Collideren har eksisteret siden 2017, og der er sket en del siden da, fortæller Roman. The Swiss Set the Collider member community has grown from initially 30 startups now to 85 edtech startups and entrepreneurs. Uh, that include mostly small and early stage startups and organizations, but also we have more well established and hence more experienced uh, startups uh, with us. If I look back to the very beginning, 
you know, in 2017. At this point, we did see more tools and innovations in the area of uh, pure platforms or learning management systems where organizations uh, saw the need to have a central platform to combine all, you know, the content in one place. And then after that trend, I would say we have seen more startups implementing uh, and applying gamification elements in their solutions. And then at this point also, we have seen probably more coming augmented reality and virtual reality uh, stuff, you know, innovations, which literally uh, opened new worlds uh, for us. And uh, nowadays, what we see from my perspective is we have more technologies, you know, aiming at learning digital skills, such as program and design thinking skills, which are sorely needed for future jobs. Um, a big part, of course, of data analytics is certainly also the increased then application of machine learning techniques or algorithms, or in other words, artificial intelligence. I dag er deres fokus mest på AI, machine learning, data analytics og den slags, men uanset om det handler om robotter, kunstig intelligens eller virtual reality, og uanset om eleverne er i børnehave på universitet eller ude i store virksomheder, så er visionen, at Colliderens partikler, de enkelte startups og løsninger, skal være en hjælp til lærere og undervisere, ikke at de skal overtage klasseværelserne og skubbe lærerne ud, siger Roman Brygger. Sometimes learning something new is very time consuming. And if you look to to teachers or educators in general, they are, you know, limited in their flexibility to integrate new stuff uh, and also time-wise because, you know, they're constrained to a very very, uh, you know, standardized uh, curriculum in uh, in schools. And at the end of the day, what what we want to to do is to help students to learn better, more individualized, more personalized and faster. When I see students that use, uh, you know, our educational robot and they have fun learning and their eyes are, you know, getting bigger and bigger and they, they play and learn, but sometimes they even don't realize that they learn at the same time. And where does learning happen also for us when it's really engaging when it's fun of course it doesn't have to be just a game and a play because it should always be at the end you know something that you need to achieve or to learn but still if you can provide some elements that engage a student more that makes uh, learning fun also myself i, I learn best when it's really engaging, motivating, fun, you know, then I want to come back and learn more. Ja. Yeah. Læring skal helst være engagerende og sjovt, også selvom det kan være hårdt og udfordrende. Og der er mange forskellige forskere og virksomheder, der forsøger at bruge teknologien til at hjælpe. Men som Pierre siger, så er det en ting at lave nye værktøjer og robotter og apps og skole virtual reality universer og smarte borger og alt muligt andet. En helt anden ting er rent faktisk at få dem i brug, So nobody is very eager to change, and education is a bit more conservative than some other domains. Pierre oplever dog, at lærerne er blevet gradvist mere og mere fokuseret på de konkrete værktøjer og på den generelle målsætning om at give eleverne en digital dannelse og ny viden om teknologiens muligheder og udfordringer. Consciousness has raised over the last 
five to ten years among teachers and school directors that you have to move seriously into the digital society to make our kids better prepared for the world. Not to become computer scientists, but better ready for the digital society. Her har særligt det seneste års tids udfordringer været med til at gøre digitale teknologier til hverdag i skolerne på godt og ondt. And then of course one year and another ago there was a pandemic everybody moved online from overnight and that that helps a little bit at the same time everybody discovered that the fully online is a nightmare people are depressed people are missing social contact and and uh, that's something known it should not be fully online it has to be a mix of online and on site so the pandemic brought a brutal uh, discovery that digital is not good, is not bad. There are things that worked quite well, there are things that should not be done, and that all the blah blah of gurus that digital is a miracle or that digital is the end of the world, both of them are wrong. There are good things to be kept for after the pandemic and I think we will like to forget them as soon as the pandemic is over. Og selvom Pierre afgjort mener at VR, kunstig intelligens, robotter og apps og alt det andet kan hjælpe, så skal man absolut hverken undervurdere de potentielle negative konsekvenser af teknologien eller bare alle de mange gange ens idéer ikke hjælper nogen som helst. Research make you quite modest. If you do research, empirical research with this technology, you stop making overstatement you 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 have to be in the gray zone Og med det nåede vi afslutningen af denne episode af computational thinking at tænke med maskiner. Denne gang medvirkede Pierre Dilancour fra IPFL, Tibo Asselborn fra Dynamico og Roman Brygger fra EdTech Collider. I vores show notes kan man finde links til Collideren og selvfølgelig også til Chile-laboratoriet og skriveappen Dynamico. Computational Thinking podcasten udgives af IT Vest og er produceret af Podlab. Jeg hedder Anders Høgh Nissen. Tak for denne gang.